Our dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us the privilege of life and also the opportunity to fellowship with you at this moment. Dear Lord, our desire is to reflect and be transformed into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we pray that this opportunity of fellowship will afford us uh, the blessings that we desire. We pray, Father, unless your words is explained to us by your Spirit, we cannot understand it. Therefore, Lord, please grant us graciously of your Spirit and help us to rightly divide the word of truth. Teach us, Lord, from your word to become more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as for me, Lord, please consecrate me to your service by your Spirit for the sake of your children whom Christ died for, not for my sake because I am not worthy, but for their sakes, Lord, put your words in my mouth that this may be an opportunity for you to reach out to them and for you to bless our souls, every one of us, including myself. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. and Courage, November 6. John and Judas. A contrast. He that said he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. 1 John chapter 2 verse 6. In the life of the disciple John, true sanctification is exemplified. During the years of his close association with Christ, he was often warned and cautioned by the Savior, and these reproofs he accepted. As the character of the Divine One was manifested to him, John saw his own deficiencies and was humbled by the revelation. The power and tenderness, the majesty and meekness, the strength and patience that he saw in the daily life of the Son of God filled his soul with admiration. He yielded his resentful, ambitious temper to the molding power of Christ, and divine love wrought in him a transformation of character. In striking contrast to the sanctification worked out in the life of John is the experience of his fellow disciple Judas. John warred earnestly against his faults, but Judas violated his conscience and yielded to temptation, fastening upon himself more securely his habits of evil. John and Judas are representatives of those who profess to be Christ's followers. Both these disciples had the same opportunities to study and follow the divine pattern. Both were closely associated with Jesus and were privileged to listen to his teaching. Each possessed serious defects of character and each had access to the divine grace that transforms character. But while one in humility was learning of Jesus, the other revealed that he was not a doer of the word but a hearer only. One, daily dying to self and overcoming sin, was sanctified through the truth. The other, 
resisting the transforming power of grace and indulging selfish desires was brought into bondage to Satan. Such transformation of character as seen in the life of John is ever the result of communion with Christ. There may be marked defects in the character of an individual, yet when he becomes a true disciple of Christ, the power of divine grace transforms and sanctifies him. Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, he is changed from glory to glory until he is like him whom he adores. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is John and Judas, a contrast. In the Bible, there was a statement Jesus made that finds its just application as we make a contrast between John the Beloved and Judas Iscariot. When Jesus was speaking with Nicodemus in that fateful night when he, Nicodemus, Nicodemus desired to know how to receive eternal life, Jesus said the following to Nicodemus, John 3 verse 19 to 21, And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for every one that doeth evil hated the light neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved but he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in god these words we see fulfilled in the life of John and Judas. Within our hearts, there is already a secret inclination in us to either love the light and a desire to do the truth, or on the other hand, to hate the light and not to practice the truth. Jesus' words, he that loves the light, what will he do? He will come to the light, that is, he that doeth the truth, so that his deeds will manifest. But everyone that does evil what do they do they hate the light john and judas we see that in them there is an index to check which category of people we are jesus said you will know if you do the truth you will come to the light but if you don't do the truth if you love to do evil you will not want to come to the light in the book of mark chapter 9 reading from verse 38 down to verse 41 we see an experience of John coming to the light so that his deeds will be made manifest or so that he will be reproved. Here John is expressing the fact that he doesn't care about being in a competition with Jesus. He just wants to know right from wrong. He wants to know the light. What I'm about to read, the background to it is that the disciples were asking who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus came and asked them, what were you people discussing that time? And they kept quiet. They didn't want to tell him because they were striving among themselves of who would be the greatest. Peter was not around at the time. So when Peter came back, Jesus called them again and asked them, what were you people discussing? And they said, they were, they, of course, they were debating among themselves who, were going to be the, who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus explained to them what we have seen in previous devotions. The greatest is the least. Whoever will want to be the greatest must serve. That's what he told them. While Jesus was saying these things, John's heart was pricked and he wanted to come to the light. He exposed himself to Jesus so that Jesus would tell him whether he was right or wrong. Mark 9 verse 38 to 41 it says, And John answered him saying, Master, 
we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him, because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not. For there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak of evil of me. For he that is not against us is in our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Amen. We read about John in Conflict and Courage, page 316, paragraph 2. The power and tenderness, the majesty and meekness, the strength and patience that John saw in the daily life of the Son of God filled his soul with admiration. He yielded his resentful, ambitious temper to the molding power of Christ, and divine love wrought in him a transformation of character. End of quote. We also saw that John and Judas, they both had serious defects. The defect in character of John was not any less than that in Judas. And I could say the same about James and about Peter, but because John is the one who reflected the image of Jesus much more than others, that's why he's our subject matter for today. And because Judas is the one that reflected it the least, being like the devil, that's why we are contrasting them today. Did any have an advantage above the other? No. Did any have an advantage in the sense that one had a more righteous character than the other? No. They both had serious defects. Did one have access to Jesus more than the other? No. Jesus was accessible to both. But there was something that which I said is the index. Jesus said, anyone who hates the light, remember that. John 3 verse 20 and 21. For everyone that doeth evil hated the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Why don't they come to the light? They don't want their deeds to be reproved. But look at what we saw about John now. He exposed what he did to Jesus. Why? He wanted his deeds to be reproved. Because those who don't want their deeds to be reproved are those who hate the light. This matter of John exposing his actions to Jesus shows us that he loves to do the right thing. So he wants to know, did I do right when I stopped that person? And he wanted to be told whether he was right or wrong. Remember that in our previous devotion that we have learned that Jesus is the person you see around you. Jesus said, as long as, long as you do it to any of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. What are the things we are supposed to do to Jesus? One thing John was supposed to do to Jesus was to listen to Jesus, was to bring his acts to Jesus. Do you bring your acts before your brethren? so that you can listen to correction. Of course, the correction must come from the word of God and you will not accept any correction that is not from the word of God. If you love to do the truth, you will love the light so that you can be reproved. Verse 21 says, But, but he that doeth the truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now let us see how this applies to Judas. Judas was the kind of person who would try to undermine you and he was trying to undermine Jesus, of course, and yet he would still remain on your good books. So how can this be achieved? Judas knew how to achieve it very well. Whenever Jesus teaches something he didn't like, something that required self-denial, Judas will not ask any question openly since he hated the light. Asking Jesus questions will only throw more light on that matter, so he would keep quiet. Unlike John, John will ask. Also, Judas knew that he couldn't ask questions openly without being found out. 
that secretly he hated the self-denying teachings of Jesus. So what he could do was not to draw near to Jesus, no, with his settled false beliefs, no, no. But he would try to make the other disciples question the teachings of Jesus. Reading from Desire of Ages, page 718, paragraph 2 and downward, it tells us an explanation of the life that Jesus Judas lived. Notwithstanding the Savior's own teaching, Judas was continually advancing the idea that Christ would reign as a king in Jerusalem. At the feeding of the 5,000, he tried to bring this about. On this occasion, Judas assisted in distributing the food to the hungry multitude. He had an opportunity to see the benefit which it was in his power to impart to others. He felt the satisfaction that always comes in service to God. He helped to bring the sick and suffering from among the multitude to Christ. He saw what relief what joy and gladness come to human hearts through the healing power of the restorer. He might have comprehended the methods of Christ, but he was blinded by his own selfish desires. Judas was first to take advantage of the enthusiasm excited by the miracle of the loaves. It was he who set on foot the project to take Christ by force and make him king. His hopes were high, his disappointment was bitter. Again, talking of him, it says in page 719, paragraph 1, Christ's discourse in the synagogue concerning the bread of life was the turning point in the history of Judas. He heard the words, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you, John 6, verse 53. Just let me say, by the way, this was the response to that act that the people wanted to do to make him king. And we are reading now that the person who was at the chief of that project of wanting to take Jesus by force and make him king was Judas. Do you remember what happened that day? Jesus dispersed them and told the disciples to go to the boat and that night they were murmuring on the boat and then a storm came to give them something to think about. Now we know the person behind it was Judas. Remember what happened the next morning after that night when Jesus calmed the storm. The next morning many people flocked to Jesus to ask for bread although they didn't say so openly. Jesus knew what they came for. It was because of the bread and fish he fed them with and then he started to teach them these things and Judas heard it all. He heard it when Jesus said, unless you eat, this, you, you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. We are hearing now, this was the turning point in the life of Judas. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us in the book of John 6, reading from verse 63 and downward, that Jesus said to them that his flesh and his blood is what he's giving to them and he explained that the words that he's speaking, they are spirit and they are life. But something happened after that when Jesus told them that it is the words. But then in verse 64, Jesus said, but there are some of you that believe not. Who was he referring to? It says, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Right there and then, Jesus knew what was going on in Judas' heart. Judas was not happy and Jesus made that comment. Some of you don't believe. He was referring to Judas and he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. Do you remember how Judas came to Jesus? It was not Jesus that chose Judas. He came of his own. The disciples urged Judas upon Jesus and Jesus selected him. Going on in verse 66, it says, from that time, 
That's why I want to explain why we just read now that that day was a turning point for Judas because it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hear Jesus' answer now, verse 70 and 71. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him being one of the twelve. This day was indeed the turning point. When all the disciples deserted him except the twelve, Jesus knew that Judas had deserted him that day, but physically he stood. But as far as Judas was concerned, he gave up on Jesus that day. He said, no more, this is not the kind of Messiah I am looking for. We wanted to make him king now, but he refused. Now he's telling us that it is his words, that is the spirit and life, that that's what we are supposed to eat. Is that going to satisfy us? From that day on, Judas had a turning point. So let me continue the reading. Why did he have a turning point? He saw that Christ was offering spiritual rather than worldly good. He regarded himself as far-sighted and thought he could see that Jesus would have no honor and that he could bestow no high position upon his followers. He determined not to unite himself so closely to Christ, but that he could draw away. Take note of these words. From that day, Judas determined, I'm not going to come close to Jesus. I'll start drawing away little by little. He would watch and he did watch. From that time, he expressed doubts that confused the disciples. He introduced controversies and misleading sentiments, repeating the arguments urged by the scribes and Pharisees against the claims of Christ. All the little and large troubles and crosses, the difficulties and the apparent hindrances to the advancement of the gospel, Judas interpreted as evidences against its truthfulness. He would introduce texts of scripture that had no connection with the truths Christ was presenting. These texts separated from their connection, perplexed the disciples and increased the discouragement that was constantly present upon them. Yet all this was done by Judas in such a way as to make it appear that he was conscientious. And while the disciples were searching for evidence to confirm the words of the great teacher, Judas would lead them almost imperceptibly on another track. Thus, in a very religious and apparently wise way, he was presenting matters in a different light from that in which Jesus had given them and attaching to his words a meaning that he had not conveyed. His suggestions were constantly exciting an ambitious desire for temporal preferment and thus turning the disciples from the important things they should have considered. The dissension as to which of them should be the greatest was generally excited by Judas. When Jesus presented to the rich young ruler the condition of discipleship, Judas was displeased. He thought that a mistake had been made. If such men as this ruler could be connected with the believers, they would help sustain Christ's cause. If Judas were only received as a counselor, he thought, he could suggest many plans for the advantage of the little church. His principles and methods would offer somewhat, would differ somewhat from Christ's but in these things he thought himself 
wiser than Christ. In all that Christ said to his disciples, there was something with which in heart Judas disagreed. Under, the, under his influence, the living of disaffection was fast doing its work. Wow, the living of disaffection. Have you experienced it before? The disciples did not see the real agency in all this. But Jesus saw that Satan was communicating his attributes to Judas and thus opening up a channel through which to influence the other disciples. This a year before the betrayal, Christ declared, Have not I chosen you twelve, he said, and one of you is a devil. John 6 verse 70. End of quote. So, what do we see from the life of Judas that we are not to imitate? Firstly, Judas was looking for temporal goods and when it was clear to him that the nature of Christ's ministry was one of self-denial and self-sacrifice, he wasn't having any of that. Contrast this attitude of Judas with that of John who would openly bring his acts before Jesus. We just read now that Judas decided to draw away from Jesus little by little. He wouldn't come close but contrast that with John who will bring everything to Jesus who is the light, to be approved, to be reproved or corrected. John had no scruples in being publicly corrected because all he, because he had never paraded himself to be the epitome of knowledge and wisdom as Judas did. We saw that what we just read now, Judas thought himself even wiser than Jesus. John would draw near to Jesus while Judas sought to stay away from the light and the truth so he wouldn't be found out. Judas was the type who would who took even private correction as a slight and Jesus was careful not to give him any private correction. Now consider how it would have been if Judas was told, get thee behind me Satan, the same way Jesus had told Peter. Also consider how it would have been for Judas if Jesus had publicly corrected him the way he corrected John the beloved. He would not take it well. Judas felt he was above all the disciples, so receiving any correction from Jesus would have been to him an insult or a slight. You know we read concerning John the Beloved that he was reproved several times by Jesus. John had no problem with that. You know why? Like we have read in the book of John 3 verse 20, he that loveth the light will come close to the light because he loves the light. And he has no problem with it. Why? Because he wants to be corrected. He wants to be more like Christ. We read in Conflict and Courage, page 316, about John. It says, As the character of the Divine One was manifested to him, John saw his own deficiencies and was humbled by the revelation. The power and tenderness of the majesty and meekness, the strength and patience that he saw in the daily life of the Son of God filled his soul with admiration. He yielded his resentful, ambitious temper to the molding power of Christ. Then going on concerning John and Judas, we are told both were closely associated with Jesus and were privileged to listen to his teaching. Each possessed serious defects of character and each had access to the divine grace that transforms the character. And concerning John, it was said, during the years of his close association with Christ, he was often warned and cautioned by the Savior, and these reproofs he accepted. Amen. So, are you accepting reproof? Or are you the type who doesn't like to be reproved? Judas was the type who didn't like to be reproved, and we learned 
who is Jesus? You would say, oh, I like to reprove, I like to receive reproof from Jesus. Jesus said, look at the list of these, my brethren. If you do it unto them, you have done it unto me. If you reject reproof from one of the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. You are like Judas. If you are the type who feels, I don't want anybody to correct me privately. Why? Because you don't like to come to the light. Like Ju- Judas, John, J- Jesus was very careful with him because he knew how proud he was. And Jesus did not rebuke him publicly. If Jesus had done that, oh, there would have been a serious problem. But a time came that it was inevitable and Jesus corrected Judas just one day. Remember we just read that John had been often warned and corrected and reproved and these reproofs he took he took it well and it was transforming him. How do you take reproof? Judas didn't take it well. He was always avoiding it. He never came to Jesus to bring his own character to Jesus so that Jesus can approve it or correct him. He didn't. Why? He didn't want to hear that but one day it happened. It was that day when Mary brought that spike in her that was very costly. Judas who was a thief could not refrain that day and he finally said something that would read that would need reproof john 12 reading from verse 1 to 5 says then jesus six days before the passover came to bethany where lazarus was which had been dead whom he raised from the dead there they made him supper and of course you know what happened mary brought that spike in that oil and then in verse 4 it says then said one of his disciples judas iscariot simon's son which should betray him why was not this ointment sold for three pence and given to the poor? It was to Judas that Jesus replied when he said, Let her alone, the poor you always have with you. When he said that, that thing was a spear to Judas in his heart. He didn't like it. He was reproved. The book of Mark 14 verse 6 tells us what Judas did immediately after that day. He was so unhappy and resentful that he said, no more, I'm going to betray this man. The book of Mark 14, reading verse 6 says, Jesus said, it was to Judas, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She had wrought a good work on me, for you have the poor always with you. And whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you have not always. She had done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. And then verse 10 says, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Desire of Ages, page 720, paragraph 2 tells us more about it. It says, Judas made no open opposition, nor seemed to question the Savior's lessons. He made no outward murmur until the time of the feast in Simon's house. When Mary anointed the Savior's feet, Judas manifested his covetous disposition. At the reproof from Jesus, his very spirit seemed turned to gall. Wounded pride and desire for revenge broke down the barriers and the greed so long indulged held him in control. This will be the experience of everyone who persists in tampering with sin. The elements of depravity that are not resisted and overcome responds to Satan's temptations and the soul is led captive at his will. End of quote. The contrast between the character of John and Judas is seen in the fact that one loved to practice the truth and consequently was open to reproof, while the latter was not practicing the truth and therefore would not come to the light and therefore hated reproof. And why did Judas hate reproof? It is because, because of his disposition to be validated based on his wisdom. That disposition was great. 
Judas saw himself as a wise person, wiser than Jesus. And when one begins to cherish the thought that they are wise and are to be recognized as thoughts, they will certainly feel slighted when corrected, whether openly or privately. Once Jesus corrected Judas, even in love and without ill feeling, this was enough for him to seek revenge. Do you know that many people seek revenge for correction just like Judas? Judas felt he was insulted. He felt slighted. He began to draw away gradually from the light. These two characters are before us today. Which one clearly describes you? John was humble and did not validate himself by feeling he was superior in wisdom and avoiding correction. We read about him. There was much warnings and reproofs and correction Jesus gave to him. But how did he respond to it? No problem. Every one of them was just a stepping stone for him to become more like Jesus. Whether private correction, public rebuke, John didn't have a problem with it because all of it was making him more like Jesus. But what of Judas? Mm -mm, that was not the case. He was avoiding correction. Judas, who had the pride of intelligence and validated himself by thinking he was above reproof, could not be benefited. John, who would bring his ideas and his actions to light so that it would be made manifest whether he is in the light or not, or Judas, who will hide which one are you, so that his deeds will not be made manifest because correction was painful to him. Which one are you, John or Judas? John, who had no scruples in making changes in his life, if only he could attain to the perfection of the character of Jesus, or Judas, who hated the path of self-denial and therefore was unwilling to have his deeds reproved so he would have no need to change. There are some of us today who run away from the truth because it involves self-denial. We refuse to hear it and will shut our ears to the word of God because we already anticipate that our dreams and hopes will be shattered if we are to know or receive the truth. Such was the case of Judas. But John is an admirable character. He was willing to make all the changes desired of him, even though it came with a cross. This is what we are to imitate. But why was it so? Judas went far away while John kept coming close. We read in Conflict and Courage, page 316, paragraph 5, such transformation of character as seen in the life of John is ever the result of communion with Christ. There may be marked defects in the character of an individual, yet when he becomes a true disciple of Christ, the power of divine grace transforms and sanctifies him. Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, he is changed from glory to glory until he is like him whom he adores." End of quote. How can we, like John, draw close to the light? By feeling our weakness and being charmed with the beauty of Jesus, that we desire him. Judas actually observed Jesus but was turned off by his principles, whereas John observed the same Jesus and was so charmed by him that he drew closer and closer to him. Judas, on the other hand, went farther and farther away. And what was the reason for this? A strong desire for self-exaltation and self-validation. Being around Jesus was not self-validating for Judas. He felt his nothingness and he was not used to feeling this way. He was used to being on the top, being the best, being the center of attraction, being the one who people gather around, being the go-to person when counsel is needed. But around Jesus, this was not the case. He therefore drew farther and farther away from Jesus. How does this apply to us? In the same way it applied to Judas. Judas was always seeking for the first place like many of us are doing today. John was also doing the same thing. But the difference between the two was that whereas one was charmed with the meekness of Jesus and saw strength in it, 
Judas was disgusted with it and saw only weakness in it and will have nothing to do with such things. Reading from the Faith I Live by page 312 paragraph 5 we are told, He who feels his danger is on the watch lest he shall grieve the Holy Spirit and then draw away from God because he knows that he is not pleased with his own cause of action. How much better and safer it is to draw nigh to God that the pure light shining from his word may heal the wounds that sin has made in the soul. The closer we are to God, the safer we are for Satan and hates and fears the presence of God. End of quote. Do you get the drift? John and Judas, what is the contrast? One is drawing closer and one is going farther. And how do we make that practical today? Jesus has said, as long as you do it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Who are you drawing close to? Are you drawing close to those who you know will reprove you, whether privately or publicly, but yet because you want your your character transformed, you have no problem with it? Who is the Jesus that you are to draw close to? It is those who are his children today. Who is the Jesus that you may be drawing far away from if you are like Judas? It is the people today who represent him, though not perfect in character, but yet you know, they are transforming their lives into the image of Jesus. Do you hate reproof? Are you among those who are so sensitive and touchy that you would get want to be vengeful just because Judas, Jesus corrected you? Look at John. John was often warned, reproved, rebuked. There was a day Jesus told him and his brother James, you know not what spirit you are of. The Son of Man is not come to take away men's lives, but to save. They did something that was really nasty. They said they wanted to destroy the whole Samaritans that had rejected Jesus. Many of us may not understand the test that these men passed through. Do you know how it was? they, they saw the evil of their nature? Judas didn't do that. Judas never said anything like that. It was James and John, this John the Beloved now. He was willing to destroy ill people because they rejected Jesus. But this same John, he was reproved not once, not twice, several times. And he had no problem with it. How about you? Do you have problem with reproof? Are you the type who don't like to bring what you are doing to the, op- to, I mean, to the word of God because you don't want it to correct you? Some people run away from Bible study because they don't want to hear something that would take away their ambitions from them. That is the Judas spirit. Judas didn't want to come close to Jesus. He went farther away from him. Jesus said, those who do evil, they run away from the light so that their deeds will not be reproved. But those who do right, though they are ignorant sometimes, because of the inner desire in them to always be right, they come to the light. Why? So that their deeds will be made manifest. Let me know what I'm doing, whether I'm right or wrong, so that I can make the change. That is John. And that is the example we should have. Reading from You Shall Receive Power, page 87, paragraph 4, we are told. What is it that causes dissension and discord? Even that's among people, brethren. What is it that causes dissension? It is the result of walking apart from Christ. At a distance from him, we lose our love for him and grow cold towards his followers. The farther the beams of light recede from their center, the wider separated they become. End of quote. So we need to draw close to Christ and then we will not be in discord and dissension. If you are drawing farther and farther away from him, and I tell you one way to draw farther away from God, I tell you how. Do you know how? One of it, not all. Gossip. Remember what we studied yesterday. If you are beholding the defects in people's character, that is what you will become. You are drawing far away from God. 
But if you are beholding Christ, you are coming closer to him. And that's why gossip causes dissension and discord. It is one of the ways of the, of drawing further away from God. That's why I read now, you shall receive power. It is 7 paragraph 4. What is the causes of the, what is it that causes dissension and discord? The result of walk it is the result of walking apart from Christ. And one of the ways of doing that is by analyzing and dissecting the character of the brethren so that you only see the evil and that's what you'll be looking at. You're no longer coming close to Christ. But how can we draw near to him? He, in heavenly places, page, nine, page 89, paragraph 2, pray often to your heavenly father. The oftener you engage in prayer, the closer your soul will be drawn into a sacred nearness to God. The Holy Spirit will make intercession for the sincere petitioner with groanings that cannot be uttered and the heart will be softened and subdued by the love of God. The clouds and shadows which Satan cast about the soul will be dispelled by the bright beams of the sun of righteousness and the chambers of mind and heart will be illuminated by the light of heaven. Amen. End of quote. Let us draw near to God brothers and sisters. How do we do? How do we draw near to God? Study his word. That is how we draw near. Don't be afraid of Bible study. John was not. If you are afraid of Bible study, you don't want your deeds to be made manifest and you run away from the light. Don't run away. You will be like Judas in the end. Again, come close to those who you know are doing the work of God. Don't run away from them and like Judas try to undermine them like Judas was doing. Going behind. Anything you hear they say, you twist it here and there to make it look like there's a problem here. And then it was portrayed like consensuousness. It was look, when, when, when Judas was trying to undermine Jesus, it was looked at as piety. Oh no, the word of God, what does it say? Are you sure that that thing that person said is true? Let us check it again. Is that really what the spirit of prophecy said? All this while, what he was trying to do was to undermine Jesus. But he portrayed it in such a way as if he was actually doing good Bible study. The rest of the 11 disciples, they did not know what was going on. Judas was just trying to make them see Jesus for what he is not. He was trying to make Jesus look as if he is not all that. Look as if Jesus is not that Messiah. He was trying to break their trust and confidence in him. If he could find one place that Jesus misinterpreted scripture, then the disciples will lose their confidence in him and they will say, hmm, that means Jesus is not alright all the time. He, he missed it here. He didn't get it here. He didn't get it there. Now, it will make them lose their confidence. Why? That's what Judas was doing. Is that what you are doing? Do you secretly cherish that evil? And you are portraying it because you love evil. You hate the truth. And then you are drawing away from the light. Let us not be like Judas. Let us be like John. He had bad character too. We also may be like that. But by beholding, we can become changed. That is... If you love to draw near to the light, you may be the worst of persons. But when you have that meekness and humility of heart, you will go higher in spiritual loveliness than the most proud person who is unwilling to listen, the most righteous person who is unwilling to listen and unwilling to be meek to be corrected. Humility is a gift of the Holy Spirit and we can pray for it. This is what Judas, this is what Judas lacked and this is what John had that humility to be corrected. I've seen people, they can be ever so righteous, but yet that pride of righteousness, of the fact that I'm not like James and John who wants to kill people. Judas, we don't hear that about him. Oh, I have that pride of I am pure. But they feel slighted when corrected. They will not listen to another person. 
and then they cannot grow because they are not humble. But the humble in heart, you may be the worst sinner today, but when you are having that meekness of heart like John was able to have, you will grow into spiritual loveliness because you allow your deeds to be made manifest, whether it is in the truth or not, whether it is in the truth or not, and so that you can be making the changes necessary to become like Jesus. And I pray that we all will have that character. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, your word has gone forth. I just pray that your spirit shall break it down to your children, that we may see where these things apply to us and not resist your spirit, that we may learn to be like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we may draw closer to the light, that our deeds may be made manifest. Lord, forgive us for the times when we have cherished that pride in our hearts, felt we know more than the Lord, treated our brethren like Judas treated you, drawing farther away, dissecting the words and not wanting ourselves to be reproved. Forgive us for all these things and we pray, help us Lord to bear it when you tell us get thee behind me Satan rebuke the devil in our lives O Lord and help us Lord that when it is done we'll have no scruples like Peter help us Lord to receive warning and consistent reproof and correction from you and may it not be a reason for us to run away from you because you are correcting us Lord please help us that we shall not have that pride that will be touched when we are corrected but like John will remain with you no matter how much you correct us, no matter how much you reprove us, but it shall be a stepping stone for us to be transformed into your character. Do this for us and take the glory in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thou my everlasting portion more than
Then the game.